So um, I wanted to talk about mirroring uh, laziness, second chances, <laughs> and um, the um, notion of time running out. So they consider the Shabbos before Shavuos to be called uh, Yom HaMiyuchas. The Welt says Meaning? that uh, Meaning? that the Yom HaMiyuchas is the day of Yichas. What does Yom HaMiyuchas mean? Pedigree. Okay. Uh, because Yom HaKippurim falls on the same day according to the calendar. Same so, same day as the Shabbos before uh, Yom Kippur. But... Um, Therefore, what is the what is the shaykhas? Just because I I'm not Shavuos, I'm the Shabbos before Shavuos. Then, okay, so Yom Kippur falls on the same day. What, what's that got to do with me? Why do we care? Why do we care? What's the what is the yichas? Why are you calling this day Yom Hamayuchas? This is a yichas day. Oh, you don't have any yichas. You, you you're just related to what's his name down the road, Yom Kippur. That's the Rishna's question. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this goes to the very question is... And who calls it Yom... Y- y- the Welt. It's called Yom HaMiyuchas. Okay. Okay. And so he brings a marshal of a king. And this king uh, hired workers to decorate the walls of his palace. And um, the... Let's read the text. Lamelech Echot Gadol Adir, great and refined king. Shetzivo Livnoslo Palterin, he commanded to build a palace. Nae Yafe Umuhudar, beautiful, exotic, absolutely refined. Ma'od Adla Hafli, I mean, just something beyond in a wonder. I'm thinking of the Taj Mahal. Yeah, I was too. Ukashenigma Habinian, Olabarot Sonamelech. Now, once the, the outer walls were finished, and I believe it took 12 years to build the Taj. That's incredible. Um, so then the king wanted to decorate the inner walls of the court. With all kinds of colors and exotic pictures and... I'm just picturing, you know, he wanted one wall to have a safari, and the other one to have Louis the Fourteenth, the other one to be postmodern, and the other one to be <laughs> sounds like a mess. But anyway, <laughs> early English poverty. He wanted, he wanted, you know, in those walls to encapsulate okay. the entire world. Uh, decorating a sukkah. <laughs> and so he divided the court into the four walls. I'm actually thinking of Michelangelo. In when you know the church wanted him to do this, he was just interested in painting, but mm-hmm. then he had to make money, and so they would call him for this church and this church. And he had a very, very uh, complex relationship with his local bishop, to say the least, right? And uh, he was just there was no one like him. No, um, p- picturing celestial angels on the, co- the mm-hmm. top of the church, blah blah blah. <laughs> And so the the king divided the four walls to four separate companies of artisans. Four different artisans. Habakim Bemeleches Hatsiu, who were just absolutely master craftsmen. Yeah. 
They don't, you know, they would like in England, we would say they would have the stempel of the king because if you've ever served the king, then you can put the king's crown stamp on, on your letterhead. We serve the court, court of this one and this one. So he commands each of the artisans, I want, you're doing this wall, you're doing this wall and this wall. In all types of coloring and beautification. According to his own standards of, um, uh, you know, of his craft. Master craftsmen, guild craftsmen, there are levels of craftsmen, right? In England, it was divided into craftsmen and guilds and professions mm-hmm. and barber surgeons, right? And Each one belonged to a different. And when I graduated medical school, I got two degrees. One was a professional degree from the Royal College of Physicians. And then I got this barber surgeon crafts wow. guild huh. from the Royal College so of Surgeons, completely separate traditionally, oh. aside from the MD degree from the university, right? Yeah. Does that qualify you to cut hair? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Oh, no, bleed yeah. people for, oh. for bloodletting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's why on the round of a barber surgeon in any barber shop, there's a white bandage with blood in between. You see those yes, white, sir. right. So the king gives these four walls to these four mm-hmm. craftsmen. Now, three of them do exactly like they're told. Each one according to his craft, his guild, the way he can do it. Now let's talk about the fourth guy. Now that fourth craftsman, you know, he had some great ideas, but he just didn't get it. He just couldn't get it together. One day he had a migraine, the other day he had a tiff with his wife, the other day he went fishing. Until the other three had completely finished their beautiful wars. And when the time for the deadline came in the house of the king, he didn't have enough time in order to complete it because of all the dyes and the pigments and everything he would need. It just wasn't enough time. Mm-hmm. The case of the lazy artisan. All right. And so he decided to do something. Now, the Rishna says by this Shloshas Yemei HaGabolah, In only one color. Now, in Pashas Vayechi, he says, V'hiskil b'dayto lasos es hakosel shalo Im zuchuchit meluteshet hanikra spiegel in German. He decided to paint the last wall with quicksilver. Brilliant. Vu asplakaria ha meira betocha, and that mirrored in its mirroring et kol hagavanim vatsi yurum shebeshar hakoslim. All the other colors of all the other paintings of all the other three walls. Elze hakotel. The Yachshav, and it appeared to him, Ki'ilu hu osso et kol ha'arbak solim, like he had done all four. 
He thought that that would be a good idea because everything else would be mirrored in his and it'll look just like the others. <coughs> now, when the king comes to his house, this court, he sees what this uman, this lazy bugger, had done. With his great scheming, right? It's yeah. a scheme. It's not. It's not reality. It's a scheme. You paint this. You paint this. All different colors. You just one color. That's not what I told you. You defied my command with this great scheming. And it was very pleasing to the king. The nosan lo Wait a minute. He said you scammed me, and then he says, what? "I missed something." Havin, the king saw yeah. and understood what the, he had done. He okay. understood his so he, scheme. He understood oh, okay. it. He now understood, understood it. So right? Sch- using the word scheme, I thought it was a criticism, but yes. no, it's, it's just the opposite. Well, the Chochmoso Hagadola, what his great will come to that, okay. with he's his admiring, great wisdom. He's admiring, firstly, the great wisdom, and secondly, the effect of right. the mirrors. Okay. Vahutav Ma'od and it was very pleasing in his eye. Okay. lo schar. Keneged Kulom, and he gives him a greater reward than the other. Doing almost no work, he gets no reward. Right. And he was pleased and charmed mm-hmm. with the great covet. Now, before I go into the Nimshal, what grabs you about this whole wonderfully rich Moshal about the lazy artisan? Number one, um, he decides to mirror everyone else's. Because he knows his head will be chopped off if he doesn't mm. meet the deadline. So he has to do something, and he does something very ingenious. He doesn't have enough time to complete the work. So he takes Quicksilver wow. and mirrors everyone else. In that way, he's fulfilled the letter of the law. You told me to fill it with colors. Here are the colors. On the other hand, what is it about the king that is so impressed by the schemer? The king looks at it, and there's a picture of me right in the middle of it. Actually, to 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 to, to your point, this is brought up 50 years earlier. This story, I've been looking everywhere, mm-hmm. nothing in Midrash, nothing in Talmud. Reb Nachman Mibreslev in Chaye Moran 98, actually, Reb Nossen says quotes this story. It only has two walls, one colored, one mirrored. Mm-hmm. So there are only two artisans. And the king is very pleased. And then Reb Nossen says, and I forgot the rest of the story. Brilliant. He goes, I, I forgot. Reb Nossen is the lazy artisan, right? I forgot what the Rebbe oh wanted to imply by this. God. Now, in the story of the Rebbe, he actually says the following. He adds, he adds that the man looked at the three other artisans and looked at his empty wall uh, and said, oh, how I have um, wasted my time. That's, it, it makes it a little bit darker, right? And um, the man said to himself, what have I done? Wasting the time with vapidness and emptiness without so much as thinking about the king's order. So for Rab Nachman, you know what that means. A man looks in the mirror at himself and says, I'm getting old. I've wasted my time with vapidness. What have I accomplished, right? Something I look uh, 
I, I look at, every day and look in the mirror and I go, what, what, what have you accomplished? What, what have you done? I mean, and look how much little time there is, right? I'm in my 70th year. There's so little time. So Rab Nachman adds that twist that the Rishna doesn't. Wow. Because Rab Nachman is our Rebbe and he, it's a theology of the blotter. It's, a, it's something that uh, Rab Nachman understands in us. The Rishna is, is much more open about it, that he's just a very crafty guy. And uh, remember, the Rishna had his own court in Vienna, right? He, the Kaiser gives him, uh, when he's escaping from uh, the revolutions of 1848, right? He comes to Vienna with his with his court, and he opens up this magnificent palatial court to show that a yid has malchus, right? He's the Rebbe of malchus. He rode in a, a horse-drawn carriage made of gold. I mean, that's the that's the Heilig Arizona. Um So, different Rebbes, same marshal. But for me, what does it say about the king? This is a mirror of these paintings, but it's also, and in Rab Nachman, it says, and it shows the furniture as well. So the king sees in that mirror all the other four and the furniture, but he can and maybe himself as well, and he, it's right. very pleasing. He can look at the furniture directly. There's the furniture. Right, right but he sees in that wall the whole palace. Yeah. Right. The, all the other walls, all the effort of the other Koslim who'd been steiging and doing their dafyomi and being good for me Jews. Right. The whole of their lives. And he sees the furniture that he has chosen, the Louis XIV and this and that. And he sees himself in the mirror. Why shouldn't he be saying, listen, you haven't done your dafyomi. You didn't go to shul three times a day. You didn't do the Torah mitzvahs. Right. This is the lazy bugger. And he sees his spiegel. This mirrored image of everyone else's lives. He's really, a, he's really, a, really what I would say in psychological terms, what? Sociopath, right? He mirrors everybody else's stuff. He has nothing of his own. And it's pleasing to the eyes of the king. People, Why? People he, like mirrors, a he mirrors emotions. Keep going. Stretch it. Come on. What else is he mirroring? He's mirroring something in the king himself what the king wants to see what the king wants to see in the mirror but also there's something about that lazy bugger that's reflective in ah, the king uh -huh. the king recognizes the something king. about oh, himself the in the lazy yeah bugger. yeah the king says i am a liar and a fraud myself and i recognize yeah this guy well, I, I don't want to take it that far because the nimshal is it would be apostasy heresy and i'd be kicked out of shul <laughs> But what the king is seeing in the mirror has to be Vayitav Be'enei HaMelech means that he is seeing a little bit of himself in that bell. Mm -hmm. That is the most craziest thing. Now, let's go to the other time that the Rishina says this. When was that original story? I don't know. I'm looking. Okay. This is a work in progress. Shomati Me'admor Rishin Shehikshe. Now, this is in Pasha's Vayechi. And remember, the story goes that uh, Jacob is meeting Joseph for the first time in 22 years. And he's telling him what's going on. Hi, Dad, what's happened to you? What's been going on? And then he tells him the tragic tale of his mother and says, And as I was on the way to Hebron, your mama died on me. And I'm sorry, I couldn't go back to Hebron to bury her in the Maratha Machpelah, in the cave. 
and I had to bury her along the way. And he's telling Joseph this with a heavy heart because she was the love of his life, right? Mm -hmm. His mamala, Rafala. Mm -hmm. So the Rishina, and that scene, I mean, if I want to be a fly on the wall, I would be want to be a fly on the wall in that scene, okay? Mm -hmm. Joseph is sold into slavery, right? He comes out of the pits. He's now the viceroy of Egypt. He has the power to do anything. And his father is reconciled with him. And I'm sure he's got a sackload of resentment that could fill a triple AA meeting. And then Jacob actually says to him, you know, your mother, the love of my life, your mother died. And I buried her by the way. Right. And it turns out in Jeremiah that uh, that uh, God says to Rachel, who's weeping for her children as they go through right. past uh, Ephrata past uh, Bethlehem on Bethlehem on the way to exile. Uh, stop your crying, Rachel, because I will bring the children back, as we've seen in our days. Well, Ephraim originally thought I should bury Rebecca in Morocco. His father persuaded him otherwise. Oh God, <laughs> the halachic versus the spiritual. Yeah, and. Uh, and in Echarabba, we know the most famous midrash of all time that it's Rachel, not the patriarchs, that goes up and takes the Rabbonish lower by his lapels and said, Now listen here, you're standing on ceremony? Do you know what I did for Leah? I gave her the simonim when she married Jacob because I knew that scheming Laban would do something. And I gave her the signals, uh uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, right? So that you would know it's me and not in the darkness of the tent that he substituted Leah. And not only that, when the time came, I had such rachmonas for Leah that I actually lay under the marital bed and made the right moans that he wouldn't recognize your voice instead of mine. Can you believe that scene? And that is brought in Echarabba in Lamentations. To, and that triggers God to say, OK, OK, I will bring them back. It is only Rachel who's crying for her children. And Jeremiah said, stop your crying. I will bring them back one day. 1948. Right. And now the Rishina says something very interesting. Lama Rachel, excuse me. Why is it that Rachel, Dafka Mavaka Albaneo? What are you telling? Why is it Rachel that's that, that, that's crying for her children? Velo Leah. Hello, Meroy, Hoyosha Leah Mavacha Yote. Leah should have been the one who cries more. There you go. Mishum Darov Bonim Leah. Most of the tribes came from Leah. Why shouldn't she be in more pain and suffering quantitatively? How many did Rachel have? One, two. Mm -hmm. So then the Rishina explains the reason between Rochel and Leah based on the Mashal of the lazy artisan. <laughs> now, I've said to the artisan, and let's jump to the explication, the nimshal of that story. Meaning, it, it was pleasing in the eyes of the king, that lazy artisan who had no colors of his own, who had nothing of his own except the spiegel, the mirror that mirrored everybody else. So the Rebbe says, this moshal, this parable of the lazy artisan, Navin Gamkain, we can now understand. Why is it that Rachel was crying for her children more than Leah? Now he goes into a Kabbalistic notion that the divine 
down upstairs is mirrored in the divine down here. And the ten spheres include nine connections between the infinite light and our world. And those ten spheres each diffuse, diffract and contract the divine light, which is too much, into ten arrays that each one representing different archetypes. The last of which is Malchut. Now, Malchut, which is Shechina, Rachel, the world, Knesset Yisrael, all those together, that archetype of down here in this world, has no light of its own. It's like the moon. It only reflects the nine arrays of divine light shining through down into it. So Rachel is the Bechina of Malchus. That's what she is in the Sephirotic tree, the archetype of Malchut. Shehi klalot hasfirot. Now Malchut, because it has no light of its own, it actually reflects every single one of the the nine Sephirot, like the mirror. The mirror is a mirror image of only what you put in. From no. reflection. Then what do you need that for? You've got the others. <clears throat> what does the mirror add to it what you've already object. got? It is the object. Everything else is masculine and the mirror is feminine. Everything else is mashpia and this is mushpa. Influence of divine, reception of divine. So when we say l'shem yichud kutshabrichu shchinte, I'm doing this mitzvah, I'm doing this ritual for the sake of the unification of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. Oh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Tiferes, which represents those nine, and Shekhinah is Malchus, which represents the, the tenth. Re- the so reflection. The reflection, the reception, the feminine, divine. And does that mean us? Us, I'm as still, part I'm of still it. working on the, on the question of if we have the original, we have the other three walls in, in the muscle. Why do we need the fourth? Why do we need the fourth? Right. One? You want to look at it? Look at it. So right. what do we need this for? Right. Well, the court won't be complete. The, court, the room contains four. The divine <clears throat> tetragrammaton requires the last hay. Yud hay vav but in is our, the nine spheros. But in the, the last hay is malchus. Okay, so in malchus, this is at the bottom. What do we need it for? <clears throat> we have the others already. Right, because the divine created the world for, to benefit an object. It's an I-thou relationship. Okay. Everything on the so, nine is I, and the tenth is the vow. You need the receiver. If you Correct. were sitting in the room here all by yourself, you don't need this a very receiver. same shear, right. it wouldn't be quite the same. Correct. As the Arizal says, When it arose in the mind of the divine plentitude in its pleroma and its splendid <coughs> isolation of infinity, mm-hmm. completely alone, <coughs> just the I without yes. any vow, yes. Oloborotzon, there came up a desire, the first symptom, to create an object yes. outside itself. Yes, you don't need us at the table to say over the shear that you're saying. Right. But you'd like to have us at the table. I need it. Yeah. Right. So all the archetypal divine sephiris shine into Malchus. Delet le megar meklum, as the Zoya says, that she has no light of her own. Only what the upper spheres shine into her. We say in Hallel, right? And she who was was a nobody before became the Akeret Hallelujah. She became the mother of all, right? So she started off nothing and she, because the spherotic tree shine into her, she becomes the Akeret the divine feminine. 
as if she had done them all. So when you look at Malchus, mm. it looks like she can, contains the entire nine above her because she's a mirror. The Kamashal Hanal. And that's why he says Rachel, who represents the divine matriarch, Knesset Yisrael, mm-hmm. is crying more than Leah because she receives all the pain and suffering from Knesset Yisrael, from the other Sephiroth. She is the one that's mirroring everything. Leah doesn't doesn't figure in the spheres at all. Does she, she does. Or she's Bina. She? Yes, she's, she's higher. Bina. She's only okay. one of the lights so that are coming she's down. Ma- Leah is in effect masculine. She's one of in that sense. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. because she's mirroring everything else, and only Rachel is the one who speaks up to the divine now in the midrash, because she experiences the pain of everybody else like nobody else. But she she puts herself in that position. Of, of I don't know. She's putting it, but she, that's her archetype. We're all born with our genetic predisposition. No, she does it on purpose. Well, she you puts, mean when, at the med- wedding night? Yes. Yeah, of course. And it must be like out of whole, why? Well, yeah. Out of what? Mm-hmm. Out of compassion. Compassion, because she knows if she s- sleeps with Jacob that night and marries him, that's it for Leah. Right. Leah will have no children. She's going to be an outcast because. In that society, not just the only the oldest goes first. It's not just the one act. Obviously, she was doing this her whole life. Correct. Yeah. That becomes Rachel's archetypal, yeah. and therefore she inherits this notion of the Shekhinah. Now, I'm, now let's go a little bit. Remember, I said what was so bothersome to me about the mirror and the king? Why was it so pleasing in his eye? Because there was something about the mirror image of that of what he did that triggered something very compassionate and or identifying in the king. I know that. That's a great business move. I was on Wall yeah. Street. You know that move you did just before you sold the stock? Yeah, that's the kind of thing I would have done, right? It was pleasing. Didn't just say, okay, he gives him more reward than all the other but three. Also, at the same time, it's not like a business where you're screwing, messing up with the other person. Yeah, but I'm saying that I'm what I, I don't know why I thought of Wall Street, yeah, but, right. but but I'm thinking of that guy in Wall Street, Michael Douglas, who's 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 trying to mentor this kid, right? And he's showing right, him the mentoring. tricks. He's showing him the tricks, right? But not to hurt somebody. Why else. did he choose that kid? Because Help he saw else. in him yeah. something about. He saw the right. animal in him, that instinct. That killer instinct in the kid, Michael Douglas saw, right? There's something in him that he said, okay, I'm choosing this intern or whatever, but Melanie for the good, Griffith. Not for the bad, I saw yeah. that killer instinct in Melanie Griffith that I didn't see in her, right? So the king sees in him, well, I don't know it's good or bad. I mean, he, it was a crafty move, it was a scheme. He was lazy. And the king sees, and the king, and then the king sees in that laziness and the scheme to get out of it something in himself otherwise he wouldn't have been triggered and been so happy that's what i'm saying what i'm saying then in the nimshal was the king sees something in malchus that's reflective of him the compassion of malchus of rachel him being a king and all and him being a king and a tyrant, he sees something in him that he can relate to in Rachel. And that's why in the Midrash, he responds to her and not to Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov and Jeremiah and Moses, because they went up and pled for Am Yisrael. They pled for the exiles. He was silent. But when it came to Rachel in Eicha Rabba Petichta 25, 
there alone is triggered, okay, Rachel, stop your crying. It's going to be good. I'll bring them back. And I wanted to suggest that in the deepest, if we now take all these stories of the Midrash and the Jeremiah Pasuk and the Mishalim and the Rishon and Rab Nachman, who says, well, I've looked at myself in the mirror and look at my wasted life, right? Rab Nachman is also saying, Vayitav ha-melech. It was pleasing in the eye of king that we look ourselves in the mirror and we also have to have some compassion about the way we treat ourselves at the end of the day when time is running out.